You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Craig Cabanis. Well, first of all, let me welcome you. If you are new and we've not met before, my name's Craig, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to say it's great to have you with us, and uh, the holidays are upon us, and uh, it's really wonderful that you would join us for, uh, for worship. Uh, we're so glad to have you. Uh, we just finished a study that took months uh, through First Peter, so we're going to do the next couple weeks some things on Christmas. And today I want to talk about the theme of Christmas peace for stressed out Christians. Christmas peace for stressed out Christians. And if you don't identify as a Christian, this will be, uh, I trust, helpful for you as well to understand where, where is it that we really can find uh, true and lasting peace. Uh, this is a season <clears throat> of peace and a season of stress at the same time. It's a bit ironic that we, that we celebrate the Prince of Peace at what most people would say is the most stressful time of the year. And even, even those who are believers in Jesus uh, forget that the, the whole reason he came uh, was to bring peace between God and humanity, and between humanity and humanity as well. But yet this is the time when stress is off the charts for so many. A couple years ago, Yelp did a survey on uh, stress, holiday stress, Christmas stress, and uh, they, they basically concluded, uh, you know, this, you didn't need scientific research or a scientific sampling uh, to know this is the case, that this is a really stressful time. And so they asked people what were some of the most stressful things. Here are the, the top five things that are the most stressful ways to celebrate the holidays. Number one is hosting a party or a dinner. So 51% of people responded and said that is a very stressful event. Number two was uh, friends or family staying with me. That was 45%. Uh, depending on the friends or family, I'm surprised that wasn't number one, but uh, then you have to have a party and feed those dear folks as well. So I guess that the feeding part was number one. The having them in uh, our house was number two. Uh, number three was traveling to see family or friends. All that goes on uh, with making a trip, especially if you've got kids, young kids, very stressful. Number four, going out to dinner with family or friends. I mean, these people don't like their family or friends. That's pretty because. <laughs> All of Christmas causes stress. Uh, that was only 29%. It was significantly less than hosting them in your house. So, uh, you know, I'm here to offer free uh, Christmas pro tips, and there's one. It's going to be less stressful to go out, evidently, than to uh, cook for your loved ones. Uh, and lastly, surprisingly, 24% of people said taking a vacation is stressful at this time of year. I, I think the, the exact reason for taking a vacation is to alleviate uh, stress. Well, if hosting people was one of the most stressful things, they then asked people, what is so stressful about hosting the holidays? So the number one answer was cleaning your home before a hosted dinner. And I shared uh, recently that that's the number one cause of conflict over the years, uh, probably in our household, was getting ready for people, people to come over. Number two was having enough time to get everything ready. Having enough time. So some of you right now, I'm causing stress. See, this is the setup for the message. 
I'm causing stress because you're like, yeah, that's right. I've got a list of things. You're jotting down among your sermon notes stuff you forgot that you need to do in the next two weeks. Uh, number three, preparing holiday meals. Number four, cleaning my home after a hosted dinner. So number one is cleaning before. Number four is cleaning after, I guess, depending on uh, what kind of company you have. And finally is uh, preparing their home for house guests. So there is a theme here that the holidays are stressful, especially if you are extending hospitality, you're cooking, you're cleaning, uh, you're opening your home to others who come expecting perhaps to have a memorable uh, event celebrating Christmas. Well, today I want to look at a passage in Philippians 4. It's not a Christmas passage. It's not in the Gospels. It doesn't describe the coming of Christ, but it does describe the result of his coming for the believer. And that is, if anything, Christ has come that we might know peace in our hearts, that there might be rest in our souls. And so that comes out particularly in one of these verses we'll camp on. But I want to read the context. We'll camp on verse 7, but I want to read the context, so we'll read verses 4 through 9. Uh, this is God's word of peace to you all. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The, the context of Philippians um, is that Paul is writing to churches while he is in prison. Uh, and this isn't like a modern prison that, we would, that would be where we live. This is, would be a, uh, a, a terrible place to be, a Roman prison. Uh, and he is in prison writing these letters. And yet this letter is known as the letter of joy. And so it's the big idea of the context of Philippians. When you think about the author and what he writes about, he writes about peace, he writes about joy, he writes about contentment. When you think about that, Philippians really carries this sort of primary contextual idea is that spiritual well-being is not bound to our circumstances. Paul says, I've learned to be content in all circumstances in this letter. So our spiritual well-being is not tied to our circumstances, the New Testament teaches, but it, it's tied to our relationship with Christ. And so to find peace in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of our stress, we must connect our hearts and connect our minds to the Prince of Peace who comes to bring peace. And we, we find this this theme of peace in verse 7, which I mentioned I wanted to talk about primarily. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds uh, in Christ Jesus. Guard your hearts and minds, this peace of God. I think there's probably three things about the peace of God we learn in this verse 
And one thing we learn from a different verse in this passage we'll look at in a minute. But the first one is this, that he's speaking of a divine peace. The peace of God, verse 7. And the peace of God. This is a certain kind of peace that is from God. That originates from God. It does not originate with you. He has in mind here a type of peace that you can't manufacture by some kind of lifestyle change. You can't manufacture this peace by by a change of circumstances. So he's not talking about something that we can create. It's not a peace that we can create. It's only a peace that we receive. It is a received peace, one that originates from God, the peace of God. And and Paul here says that it it comes as we turn away from our anxieties and that we turn uh, to him in prayer. That's what he had said in the previous verse. Don't be anxious, verse 6, about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. So it's this kind of peace that is received, and the way we open our hands to receive this gift of peace is through, uh, obviously, prayer uh, and giving thanks to God. Uh, These verses, verses 6 and 7, which we just read, the New Living Translation uh, sort of translates them very directly and very clearly. This is what the New Living Translation says. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It's, it's very succinct, but the beautiful words, the way that they, the New Living Translation translated this. I love just that phrase alone, which reflects, I think, accurately the Greek. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So this peace comes as we turn to God and make our requests known to him, which I assume would be talking about our anxious thoughts to God, talking about the stress in our life, talking about the burdens of our life to God, asking him for help and thanking him for what he has done for us. Thanks alone, thanksgiving alone just turns our perception of life. It changes how we view view everything. This is very similar to what we talked about last week. So last week we ended the book of First Peter uh, with uh, a benediction of peace. And that's, that's translating into this week. And next week we'll talk about peace as well. So we're just kind of flowing from that into Christmas. And there we saw that Peter said, cast all your cares, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So this is really much, very much parallel to that. Cast your care on him. Here it is. Talk to him. Open your heart. Engage God in prayer and thank him for what he's done for you. So it's, it's casting your care, but it's also speaking about that to the Lord. It's also asking, requesting, inviting God to act in your life, to settle your heart, to at times change your circumstances. But if he doesn't change your circumstances, to grant you the grace and the peace to persevere through them. Now, I said last week, and I want to say this again because I don't want to be misunderstood. I realize I'm running the risk of sounding overly simplistic with very complex issues that many of us face in life. I get that. I know that. I anticipate that many may think that. But he's not talking about here a one-time prayer that you pray and it's just done. He's talking about a lifestyle, rhythms of prayer, throughout our not only throughout our week, but throughout our day. 
that allow us to dialogue with God about what he's doing and asking for his help. It's, it's, not, it's not just a one and done thing. It's a battle. And, and I understand that many people experience all kinds of different anxiety, uh, many different people, different, different anxieties in the room here today. Um, and some of them are paralyzing. They're paralyzing because of perhaps trauma in your life uh, earlier, at an earlier point in your life, or it's paralyzing anxiety just because of uh, some of the difficulties that you face. Um, and so I realize there are many sources that address anxiety. For folks like that, it's perhaps seeing a counselor can be very, very helpful. Other folks experience anxiety, and it produces any number of physical issues, insomnia, uh, acid reflux, high blood pressure, all kinds of stuff can come from uh, a lifestyle of this kind of anxiety, experiencing acute anxiety in one's life. And, and it can be helpful to see a physician if those are the kind of things that you're talking about or that you are experiencing. God may help us physically in any number of ways deal with various anxiety uh, issues that we have, adjusting our diet or exercise, uh, getting proper sleep, um, doing breathing exercises, taking medication. There's a, a variety of means that address anxiety in our lives, address our bodies in particular. We are integrated people, body and spirit. And so there are a number of means that God uh, addresses these issues in, in our lives. I get that. I, I'm, I, I think that's all very helpful. I do want to make the point, though, however, that none of those things that I've mentioned and, and many others are ever to be a substitute for the Christian for looking to God. They are helpful uh, for us, but they are not a substitute. So it's not as if I'm, I'm a very anxious person, so I've got one of two options. I can go take a job I, I mean, a jog is what I would say, take a job as well. But I can go take a jog, I can go exercise, and then I'll feel better. Or, you know, I'll cut sugar from my diet. I would not recommend that this time of year. Uh, <laughs> you need to know when to feast and when to fast. So this is not that time. So somebody's new. Some guy just elbowed his wife. This is our church. <laughs> this, is, this is it. This guy, gave, this guy gave me a command to eat sugar this Christmas. What I'm saying is that just a lifestyle change is not what's in view here. What's in view here is all those things can be helpful and necessary, perhaps. But what's in view here is a sort of gift, a supernatural peace that comes from engaging God relationally. And while every means that, that calm my heart, every means like that may be beneficial, uh, none of them mean that I don't need to turn to the Lord in my time of need, that I don't need to turn to the Lord with my worries, that I don't need to turn to the Lord with the stressors in my life. I, 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 that, that is a primary way that to, we are to address anxiety in our lives. Use whatever means the Lord provides to help your body and to help your mind. Use whatever means he provides, but place verses 6 and 7 of Philippians 4 at the top of that list. At the very top of that list, realizing that, uh, that every good gift comes from the Lord, but I turn to him first and foremost to help me with my anxiety. There is no true lasting peace apart from the Prince of Peace. And so we must turn to him 
In addition to anything else, we must turn to him because this is a peace that originates with God. It is a divine peace, the peace of Christ. It's also a supernatural peace. That's number two, a supernatural peace. Did you see that in the text? It's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. The NIV translates that. It transcends all understanding. That means that from God, there is an available to, there's available to the believer from God a peace that is above and beyond reason. It's a peace that does not make sense. It's not a logical peace. It's not a reasonable peace. What he's saying is that when the Prince of Peace is ruling our hearts, there are times when we will look in our lives and say, given what I am facing right now, How in the world am I experiencing peace? This should not be happening. I should be freaking out. I should be in a massive panic. I should be in a meltdown. I cannot explain it, but based on what I'm experiencing, based on what's coming up tomorrow, based on what's coming up in two weeks, uh, you know, with uh, with Christmas, based on the outstanding medical diagnosis that I'm, it's out. It's I'm waiting to hear what it is. I should be anxious, but there is a peace that transcends understanding. It doesn't make sense, and I'm experiencing that. God is working in me. It's not dread that's overwhelming me. It's not a constant barrage of worry. There's something happening in this moment. That's supernatural. Peace that surpasses understanding means I don't have to understand my circumstances to have peace. Some of us feel that way. I'll be at rest when I understand what's happening, when I understand what God's doing. No, the scripture would teach that even if you don't understand, there can be peace because it's a peace that's above understanding. It surpasses understanding. I don't have to figure out what is going on. I don't have to like what is going on. I can detest what's going on circumstantially and still know the peace of God because it originates from him. He's describing something that only he can do. The peace of God, it surpasses understanding. And it comes through the Prince of Peace, who ultimately brings peace to us by reconciling us to God through his death and his resurrection, giving us new life so that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. And if God, think about that, if God lives in us, would it not make sense that that would make some difference in the way we think about the world and think about our lives? It absolutely makes sense. A difference. God reconciles him to his, us to himself, and here he's speaking about giving us a supernatural peace that surpasses our understanding. I mean, when Jesus came, he promised this kind of peace to those who would believe in him. John 14, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 14, 27. Do you see what he's saying here? I'm bringing a peace that you cannot receive in the world. That's what it said. Uh, it, it says that my peace I give to you, um, the, uh, I, I have overcome, I'm sorry. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So Jesus is saying, I'm fundamentally bringing a peace that you cannot access apart from God. You cannot access it. This is a deep peace that, that uh, supersedes 
even one's reasoning. You can't find it anywhere else, so don't let your hearts be troubled. We should expect trouble, but in the midst of trouble, there is this peace that's possible. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So here he's saying the world will give you tribulation. It is not unusual to have tribulation. That's normal. What is unusual is to have peace in the middle of tribulation. And only Jesus Christ provides that. The world, in our world, and, and we, we all are subject, we are all tempted by this, and many of us subject to this. We can try so many escapes to find peace. So many escapes. I thought the survey was hilarious. One is a vacation, but one in four people interviewed about Christmas stress said, that's stressful. Even the getting away is stressful. We can try to escape in so many ways. Uh, we can t- try to numb the pain with so many ways, especially this time of year, things like alcohol and uh, food and various things that we try to, to numb the pain. But the Bible is teaching, Jesus said, I, I came to give you peace. Paul is saying that there is a supernatural peace that, that God gives as a gift as we turn to him. To our natural mind, it is beyond understanding to say you can have trouble, tribulation, and peace at the same time. But that's That's the kind of peace God gives. Have you ever experienced that supernatural kind of peace in your life where you go, I should be be completely undone in this moment, and yet, wow, I'm at rest. That's not my daily experience, um, but I have had that at various critical, difficult times in my life. I remember when my mom died. I was, oh, in my mid-30s. Some of you go, I thought you still were. No, no, I'm older than that. But uh, it was in my mid, mid-30s uh, when my mom died. And, um, you know, that was, it was, happened suddenly. It was unexpected. Uh, it happened suddenly. Um, I talked to her in the morning. She said, I'm feeling bad. I'm going to the hospital. I got a call that night. Uh, they said, you better come immediately. I hopped on a plane in a couple of hours, flew overnight, uh, and landed, and they told me in the hospital she died. So uh, it happened really fast. And I remember the grief and the loss because she was such an influence in my life, a godly, very godly woman, a prayer warrior, uh, an evangelist. She was just really, just really amazing. Um, but I remember in all that grief, I was sorrowful. It hurt, absolutely. But I remember at various times going, there is such a profound peace in my soul that I cannot explain I cannot explain this. So this piece touches not only anxiety, but grief, sorrow. um, And and I went through stages of grief and mourning for sure. I'm not saying it cut that short even. I'm just saying that in the midst of it, there was the comfort of the Holy Spirit and his peace was, was present with me in a supernatural way, supernatural way. So it's amazing how he works in our need. Well, this verse tells us that God provides peace. It's a divine peace. It's a supernatural peace. And this is amazing. Number three, it's a protective peace. So we, we rejoice in him. We thank him. We pray and give him our request. We cast our cares over on him. And he says that we will receive a supernatural peace. Look at the text. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So he's saying his peace can actually set up a guard in your heart, in your mind, to protect you. 
The word translated guard is the word that was also translated garrison. It was a military term. It meant a a group of soldiers that were put into a town for protection. And so Philippi, the city he's writing to, they were a Roman colony, and uh, they likely had a garrison of soldiers in the city. Everybody would have known what this word meant, what the metaphor was, that there are these soldiers that protect the city. And he's saying, that's the peace of God with your heart and with your mind. That the supernatural peace of God acts like a unit of soldiers to protect our minds from the threatening stresses and anxieties that attack us, that seek to get our eyes on ourselves, that seek to focus on our own limitations, our own weaknesses, our our own uh, inabilities to solve a problem, rather than put our eyes on the Lord. And so there is this protection that the Holy Spirit can provide for us. What a defense. God guarding our mind. I don't know if you've thought about that, but I can't imagine any more comforting thing than to face tribulation and trouble, as to use Jesus' words in the gospel, and to know that God, by his grace, would guard my mind to protect against these ideas and these pressures that would invade my heart and would defend me. uh, It's amazing that his defense would come to aid me as I turn to him with prayer and with gratitude, it said. Where do you need that kind of supernatural peace today? Where do you need the unexplainable peace of God to meet you and then to protect your heart and your mind today? I'm I'm not trying to do anything fancier. I'm just trying to say, what do these words say? And if we believe they are true, what might that mean for us? What might it mean to experience that kind of peace? I mean, what would it be like if you experience God's peace today in such a way that your Christmas to-do list was just a list of things to do as opposed to a log of your anxieties and worries and pressures? What if it was just a list? of things to do, as opposed to something that carried the weight of pressure like it does for so many of us? What if Christmas shopping was nothing more than an opportunity to express love to those we care about, rather than the burden and the pressure of, uh, that it often brings? What if God's peace ruled over your anxiety in such a way that when you think about gathering with family members at Christmas, that was one of the stressors, when you think about that, your heart's at rest. You you go, last Christmas I was an absolute mess thinking I was going to see so-and-so or so-and-so was coming to the house and I was going to be evaluated and criticized and whatever it is. And this year, I still know so-and-so's coming, and I probably will be evaluated and criticized, but I'm at rest. I can't explain this. This is, this is not me. This is not cutting chocolate out for Christmas. <laughs> this is not because I got eight hours of sleep. A good idea. But this is not because I got eight hours of sleep. This is something that, that I can't produce. But God has brought me this supernatural peace? What if his peace enabled you to celebrate without worrying about are you receiving the approval and affirmation of others? 
your kids, your parents, your sibling, your friends, whatever it is, that, that this isn't a time to impress. This isn't a time to worry about what do they think about me. This is a time to love and to serve, and my heart is at rest. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. For some of us, that would be a miracle. Well, that's what this passage is about. It's beyond understanding, he says. It's that kind of a a peace. What if Christmas was filled with peace so that even though the days are busy, my soul is at rest? My body may be busy, my mind may be busy, but my soul is not agitated. It's at rest. I'm not snapping everybody's heads off, living on my last nerve. I can't explain it, but I'm at rest. The grace of God. The promise of this passage is that amidst shopping and cooking and traveling and partying and worshiping and crying children and Christmas programs and loneliness and crying children and difficult relatives and end-of-the-year work deadlines and crying children and financial pressure and all of this kind of stuff that we can experience the peace of God as our defender, as our protector, the peace of God like a, like a company of soldiers that will not let the enemy in. How about that? That will order my life from the inside of the garrison and will protect the enemy from coming in and stealing my peace so that I miss the whole reason for Christmas. So that I spend a month living at peak anxiety, worry, stress, and and that I I don't even think about the Prince of Peace. I don't even think about why has he come. I'm a Christian, but I get like none of the benefits of the Holy Spirit dwelling in me and the Word of God speaking truth to me. This passage says that, no, in the midst of that, there is the presence of God to help us. Listen, some of us are facing much bigger stressors than preparing Christmas dinner and buying gifts. Some of us are experiencing things much more difficult than that. A marriage that is struggling deeply, that you're wondering if this time next year you'll still be married. That's a major, major stress, and it can be exacerbated with this time of year. Maybe your stress is a child that is navigating life with special needs and the burden that you feel for your son or your your daughter. Maybe it's a financial hole that you are so deep in that you can't even imagine digging out of it. And this time of year really reminds you of that. Maybe it's an uncertain job. You're like, I got my job till the end of the year. I don't know what's going to happen in early 23 with the economic outlook, with our company outlook. I may not have a job this time next year. Maybe you have a serious medical diagnosis. Maybe you're grieving this year because someone you love, you've lost. This is the first Christmas without them. Or someone you love is dying and you don't know how long they will make it. Those are profound deep rattlings of the soul. I'm not talking flippantly here today. Just pray a prayer and the grief is gone. I am not saying any such thing. Just pray a prayer and then the job situation is gone. But what I am saying, in, in the midst of all those uncertainties, in the midst of all that pain and the burden and the weight of life in a fallen world with all of those kind of things, in the midst of it, God can meet you with his Holy Spirit 
with a peace that maybe you've never known or experienced before. I want to hold out that hope from this text. So the peace we're talking about here is a divine peace. It's of God. Uh, it, it as well is a supernatural peace. It surpasses understanding. It's a protective peace. It will guard our hearts. And then lastly, it's a present peace. Look at verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Did you see that? And here it's not the peace of God. It's the God of peace will be with you. The point of all of this is not only that we have the peace of God, but that we know the God of peace. This is not just about an fixing me existential so I'm a little more calm and feel a little bit more relaxed. This is something way bigger than that. This is me knowing the God of shalom, the God of peace, the God of order, the God who makes all things new and will return and, and, and restore life the way it is meant to be lived in peace, where the lion lays with the lamb. The kind of peace that he is actually the God of peace. It describes his very nature and character. There is no stress and worry and fear with God. He is the God of peace. And here it says he will be with us, the God of peace. Now there's a condition to it. He says, Paul says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Well, Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. So it would be very fair to say here, what he's saying is, follow Christ in your life and the God of peace will be with you. Um, Follow Christ. Think true thoughts. Think about Christ. He says that as well. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence... If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Follow Christ as I do, Paul says, and the God of peace will be with you. So in the previous verse, he talked about prayer. Here he's talking about filling our minds with truth. Some forms of meditation, Eastern meditation in particular, the idea is to empty one's mind to receive peace. But the biblical idea of meditation is that we actually fill our minds to experience peace. We fill our minds with truth. What's true? What's honorable? What's just? What's lovely? What's commendable? What's beautiful? What what does the scripture teach us about God himself? And to fill our minds with that. He says in the verse, verse 8, think on these things. Think of something worthy of praise. Many of us are not filling our minds with these things, the truth of scripture. We're filling our minds Uh, With the internet, we're filling our minds with news, we're filling our minds with blogs, we're filling our minds with social media, and that ratchets up the anxiety. That ratchets up, ratchets up. So we're spending our time comparing ourselves, we're spending our time panicking over the the media's take on the world and what's going to happen. We're filling our minds with those kinds of things. And the Bible never says, stick your head in the sand. We are to be in the world, but but we're not to be of it. We're to fill our minds not with the world's thoughts, but with the truth of Scripture. And so if I anticipated earlier that perhaps this sounds simplistic, I anticipate now someone saying, great, the solution is always just read your Bible. Well, um, I think this passage actually says that. I think it says that. that What we think on, what we 
meditate on affects the condition of our hearts. Um, I, I want to I challenge you in the next two weeks. If you are not a regular um, reader of Scripture, I want to challenge you to embrace that habit over the next two weeks. If you don't read the Scripture regularly, then just take 15 minutes. Read, read Matthew or Luke at the beginning of the Christmas story. That would be a good thing to read this time of year. Read, the, read, a, read, a, read a gospel. In the next two weeks, maybe you could complete a gospel if you read 15 minutes a day. But, but read and fill your mind with those thoughts. Take some of those thoughts into your day. Try to pull out of the Scripture a truth that you can walk in for the day. If you already do it, you already read, why not add another 15 minutes to your time uh, this, these next two weeks? Think of it as a pause for peace. I'm going to pause and I'm going to fill my mind with things that are true. Maybe I'm going to restrict some other things coming in my mind. And I'm going to see when I do that and when I bring my request to God and thank him for what he's already doing. When I, when I live out what this passage teaches, what difference would there be in my soul over the next two weeks? You know, I love, uh, this is maybe it'll help you. I, there's a book on peace written by a, an author named Andy Farmer. It's a really great book. Um, but he, he's, he anticipates this same thing about just reading the Bible. I, we have a quote for him here. Here's what he said. When he mentioned the, reading the Bible to bring peace, he said, chances are this is where you say, great, thanks for the failed devotions guilt trip. Believe me, I am one of the most disciplined, challenged people you'll ever know. I have a file drawer filled with well-intentioned but abandoned devotional plans. But I learned something simple, that it's made a consistent devotional life not only possible, but a reality in my life. Here it is. The only way we'll ever have consistent, peace-producing spiritual devotions is if we're convinced that God accepts us, whether we have them or not. That's the fact of our reconciliation with God. We come to him already accepted. And the God we come to delights to see us. The reason I say pause for peace, if you don't read for 15 minutes, if you do, let's add this season, the next two weeks, and see what happens, is because God delights to see you. It's not check something off a box and if I do this, God owes me. It's that God delights to see you. God gave his very son, Jesus Christ, to bear your burdens, to bear your sin, but also to carry the weight of your anxious, worried thoughts. He delights to hear from you. God delights to protect your heart. God wants you to know him more than you want to know him. God wants you to experience peace more than you want to experience peace. That's the good news, and God will love you if you pass on the, the pause for peace challenge for the next two weeks. If you pass on that and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he still embraces you. You are accepted by him. That's, what he, that's the beauty of this passage. It's when I began to see the grace of God, he says, that I went running into his arms. He wants to bear your burdens. That is the reason Jesus gave his life, gave us new life. So... In the next two weeks, Christmas peace for stressed out Christians. Maybe it's meditating on this passage. Maybe it's mem memorizing some of these verses and thinking through them throughout the day, writing them uh, on the notes in your phone, writing them on a card, taking them with you if you want to go old school analog. But just communicate, staying close to, to the Lord during this time and seeing how you might experience the peace of God. 
Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.